We're happy to have a young man who has never sung for us before here in church to come and sing for us this morning. This is my Brad Bass. He was born and raised in Ringgold, Virginia on a tobacco farm. Of course, he also attended high school there. Uh, after that, he went to AMDA, which is American Musical and Dramatics Academy in New York. He was one semester, one something behind Chris. So that's where Chris and Brad first met was in New York at AMDA. He's received a, a bachelor's in theater and a master's in creative writing from Averett University in Virginia. He's also a composer in residence there. If you've ever been to one of the Broadway Unplugged shows, you've heard Brad sing. If you haven't, then this will be your first time to hear him sing. He has a beautiful, beautiful tenor voice. He's also on staff at Orbit when he's in town, and he helps uh, in, in that area with uh, vocal and with dance and all kind of creative stuff that uh, they do in Orbit. He's a member of Victory Baptist Church in Ringgold. Ask him if he was still a member. He said, no, he was just kind of going around to other places now. I said, is your membership still there? He said, yes. Well, I said, then you're still a member of Victory Baptist Church <laughs> because you don't get off the, off the Baptist roll once you're on it unless you ask to be taken off and unless you go somewhere else. So Brad's going to come and he's going to sing for us this morning. So Brad, if you'll come on up, please. This is the scripture from which this song is taken. It's Matthew 26, verses 6 through 13. Now when Jesus was in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, there came unto him a woman having an alabaster box of very precious ointment and poured it on his head as he sat at meat. But when his disciples saw it, they had indignation saying, to what purpose is this waste? For this ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor. When Jesus understood it, he said unto them, Why trouble ye the woman? For she hath wrought a good work upon me. For ye have the poor always with you, but me you have not always. For in that she hath poured this ointment on my body, she did it for my burial. Verily I say unto you, Wheresoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall also this that this woman hath done be told for a memorial of her. that made her blind She felt such pain Some spoke in anger Heard folks whisper There's no place here 
for her kind Still on she came Through the shame that flushed her face Until at last She knelt before his feet And though she spoke no words Everything she said was heard as she poured her love for the master from her box of alabaster. And I've come to pour my praise on him like oil from Mary's alabaster box. Don't be angry. If I wash his feet with my tears And I dry them with my hair You weren't there That night he found me You did not feel what I felt When he wrapped his loving arms around me and you don't know the cost of the oil in my alabaster box. I can't forget the way I used to be. I was a prisoner to the life that had me bound. Oh, I spent my days, poured my life without measure into a little treasure box I thought I'd found. Until the day when Jesus came to me and healed my soul with the wonder of his touch so now i'm giving back to him all the praise he's worthy of i've been forgiven and that's why i love him so much and i've come to pour my praise on him like oil from Mary's alabaster box. Don't be angry if I wash his feet with my tears and I dry them with my hair, my hair. You weren't there. That night he found me You did not feel what I felt When he wrapped his loving arms around me And you don't know the cost of the oil No, you don't know the cost of my praise My praise you don't know the cost 
of the oil in my alabaster box. Thank you. Thank you so much. Wow. One prayer request I forgot to mention. My friend Sweeney asked that we pray for Ann Robinson, a friend of Sweeney's in the hospital. So please say a quick prayer for Ann Robinson. Some people love the holidays. And some not so much. Some love gathering with their families. Others don't really care to do that, to get together with those people. Over the years, I've seen strained families for various reasons. Sometimes the strain is a death and it's hard to get at the table. And sometimes spouses crossed a line and they had to move on. And sometimes kids hurt their parents one too many times and Life can get complicated. It's not a new development. Scripture's filled with complications. We begin with a familiar story in Luke 15. Before I read it, let's pray together. Lord, as we see your word today, you talk to us. As we read it, we pray that the spirit that inspired it to be written will inspire it to be read and heard. We pray, Father, that we take nothing for granted if we've heard it before Let us still see the lesson you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus said, there was a man who had two sons and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. (laughs) I wonder where this conversation took place. You think they're out in the yard? He kind of goes up to dad, got something to ask you. Maybe dad was in his chair. Maybe they were at the dinner table. It's an awkward conversation. What the son is really asking is, I don't want to wait till you're dead to get your stuff, so can I have it now? That's really what's going on here. What kind of request is that? What kind of a son does that? It'd be interesting dinner conversation, wouldn't it? What's really amazing to me is not the request, but that it was granted. Dad says, okay. The rest of the story beginning at the second part of verse 12 of Luke 15. So he divided his property between them, his sons. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country, squandered the property in dissolute living, When he spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout the country. He was in need, so he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him to his field to feed the pigs. He gladly filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself at his lowest moment, he said, how many of my father's hired hands have bread enough to spare 
Here I'm dying of hunger. I'll get up. I'll go to my father. I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and he went to his father. You know the story. You know it well. And it is really interesting to me what the son does in his head before he, go back, he goes back home. He disqualifies himself for being a son any longer. No longer worthy to be your son, I'll be your hired hand, is what he does in his head. If you know the story, you know that's not what happened. You ever heard of the practice of breaking a plate? I'm not talking of the celebration at Greek weddings. That looks like a lot of fun. I did it once at home. I got in trouble, so I won't do that anymore. But have you ever heard of the practice of, of breaking a plate because of a bad family situation? You ever heard that? I first heard of it because of a family situation in Indiana. A son disappointed his father. And the father symbolically broke a plate, plate, hammer, gone. Breaking the plate in that tradition symbolizes loss or death. To the father, the son who was alive and well was dead to him. And he broke the plate because he's no longer welcome at my table, the father said. It is sad. Last Sunday night, we had our annual Thanksgiving shrimp boil. It was wonderful. The food was great. What was really wonderful was that everybody was welcome. Everybody. Doesn't matter who your team was or is. Doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter where you've been, you were welcome. We didn't have a bouncer at the door. Can you imagine a church with a bouncer at the door? What would that look like? <laughs> it was hard to find it. It took me a while, but I found it. I've been in church all of my life, all of it. And what I've noticed over the years is very often people disqualify themselves like the son did in Luke. I'm no longer to be worthy to be called your son. I'll be like a hired hand. And sometimes people break their own plates. I've never told someone that they weren't welcome, ever. I will not break a plate. God makes that decision at judgment time but I won't make it. I will not and I cannot make that decision for God. But sometimes I understand, honestly. I had friends whose daughter was in trouble and she caused trouble wherever she went. She so despised the rules and regulations at home, she contacted an attorney as a, as a young teenager to have herself emancipated illegally emancipated from her mother and her father. And she gave them grief and she gave them lots of trouble and she ran away with a boy of, boy of bad reputation. You know what her, wanna know what her parents did? They found out through a debit card what town she was in, 150, 200 miles away from where they lived. And they drove to that big town 
and drove around every hotel for two days until they found the vehicle they were looking for. They took her home and they loved her unconditionally. I've seen times when I expected a plate to be broken. I've seen it turn into a time of celebration and of grace. And it's a great story. Maybe the best example I have is from the Old Testament book of Hosea. Let me retell the story in a nutshell. If you want to take some time this week and read Hosea, do it. It's a good one. The year's around 750 B.C. Hosea was a prophet of God. Kind of a hellfire and brimstone guy, I think. And he marries a woman named Gomer. She was a prostitute. It's an odd couple, yes. How they met is anybody's guess, a street preacher, a street person, who knows. But they met and they were married. Gomer had a baby boy. Hosea named him Jezreel. The name Jezreel is a town in Israel where a horrible massacre occurred. It's really not a baby's name, but that's what Hosea named their boy. And then a daughter came, child number two. Hosea gave her the name Loruhamah, which means not loved. <laughs> yeah. If you're second born, do you identify with that? That's a sad name to give to a baby. It's an odd choice. It's the kind of name you yell at an umpire, not give to a baby. So is there a hint now that maybe number two doesn't belong to Hosea? What about number one? Jezreel, was he Hosea's? And then came child number three, another son. His name was Loemi, which means not my people, not my kin. I think it's pretty clear. This one didn't belong to Hosea, definitely. It seems that Gomer has no doubt been unfaithful. Who knows if any one of them were Hosea's. And Gomer runs away. So there's Hosea with three kids and Gomer's gone. And part of me feels a little bit happy for Hosea. Well, maybe he can get on with his life and maybe he can meet a nice lady at the church and maybe everything will be okay and things will be good and the kids will have a good mother. The song Hit the Road Jack comes to mind that maybe he should put in his playlist and listen to it every day. He can break her plate. And as I have my shallow thoughts about Hosea and a gone gomer, God does something in the story that really startles me. In chapter three of the book of Hosea, verse one, the first part, God speaks to Hosea and look what he says. The Lord said again to me, go love a woman who has a lover and is an adulteress. That's what God told Hosea. You would expect God to say, change the locks. Move out of town, don't leave a forwarding address, get out of Dodge, do anything. I don't get take her back. I don't expect that in the story, but that's what God says. This story has blown my mind and changed my definition of love. When God tells us to love, 
He tells us to do it forever. 1 Corinthians 13, 7, love never gives up. Love never loses faith. It's always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. We don't know whatever happened to Hosea and Gomer. Did they live happily ever after? Did it happen again? We just don't know. But what we do know is that this story is a story that God used to illustrate his relationship with his people Israel. And by extension to us, because we're his children too. The first three chapters of Hosea are about the marriage of Hosea and Gomer. And then the last 11 chapters are about God with us, with Israel. Look at verse 1 in chapter 9 of Hosea. O people of Israel, do not rejoice as other nations do. You've been unfaithful to your God, just like Gomer. Hiring yourselves out like prostitutes. Worshiping other gods on every threshing floor. And then we get to chapter 11 and you see God's hurt in this like a wounded person because we've been unfaithful. Israel's been unfaithful. When Israel was a child, I loved him. I called my son out of Egypt. But the more I called to him, the farther he moved from me offering sacrifices to the images of Baal and burning incense to idols. I myself taught Israel how to walk, leading him along by the hand, but he doesn't know or even care that it was I who took care of him. I led Israel along with my ropes of kindness and love. I lifted the yoke from his neck and I myself stooped to feed him. But since my people refuse to return to me, they will return to Egypt and will be forced to serve Assyria. War will swirl through their cities. Their enemies will crash through their gates. They will destroy them, trapping them in their own evil plans. For my people are determined to desert me. They call me the most high, but they don't honor me truly. Oh, how can I give up on you, Israel? How can I let you go? How can I destroy you like Adma or demolish you like Zebulun? My heart is torn within me, God says. My compassion still overflows. No, I will not unleash my fierce anger. I will not completely destroy Israel. For I am God and not a mere mortal. I am the Holy One living among you. I will not come to destroy. For someday the people will follow me. I, the Lord, will roar like a lion. And when I roar, my people will come, return trembling from the west. Like a flock of birds, they'll come from Egypt, trembling like doves. They will return from Assyria and I'll bring them home again, says the Lord. It's a beautiful love story, God with his people. No matter how unfaithful we can be, he still waits because God is love. I have friends that had a baby born with acid reflux. That's not a good thing to be born with. When he was a newborn, he slept very little and he cried a lot. His parents slept very little and they cried a lot too, I suspect. They were zombies. But if you ask them about him, you could tell they were head over heels in love with their boy. The relationship was one-sided. He screamed and they nurtured and they loved. As a Christian, I pray I'm like that. That I can love everyone, no matter what I get out of it, because it's not about me. 
Look at what Jesus did, said to the disciples right before he went to the cross in John 15, 12 to 14. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same ways I've loved you. There's no greater love to lay down one's life for one's friends. You're my friends if you do what I command. Jesus is not only talking the Hosea kind of love here. He's talking about the love shown at the cross for you and for me. Hosea would perhaps be shocked by such love. Each week I love the fact that we can have people here from all over the world. Uh, While here I've met people from Sri Lanka and India and Ghana and China and Vietnam and to name a few. And they've all been welcome and you've been welcoming to them. It is sad when people break their own plates. When we say, you know, I'm not good enough or you don't know what I've done. Don't do it. This morning, I don't want to embarrass my friend Christy, but I didn't know she was coming today. She asked me in general, she said, can I wear blue jeans? Because that's what she has. And uh, I said, I think so. I I don't pay attention to what you wear. Anybody got blue jeans on? There's about a dozen or two in here with blue jeans. So I guess you can. Um, But what I really love about this, do you know what my wife is wearing this morning? She's wearing blue jeans because that's what Christy was going to wear. That's pretty good, isn't it? That's pretty good. Today, you're welcome to come to the table with no broken plates, no broken plates at all. Today, we're going to have communion, and it is for you if you're a believer. You don't have to be a member here. You have to believe in Jesus, and that qualifies you. And you're welcome at his table, and that is beautiful. Before we do that, and as our deacons are on their way to the front, let's pray together. Lord, thank you that we can come to your table. Thank you that we are welcome, and thank you that we are welcome in spite that you know us better than anyone else does. Father, the qualification qualification to come is that we believe in you and father it is our prayer that we all do it is our prayer that we all come running to your table because you love us so thank you for that love thank you for the place that we have at your table we pray that we would see you as we take the bread as we take the cup today let us see Jesus in his name amen